The story of Susanna from the book of Daniel and her ordeal is the subject of our first reading today. And it's really an inspiring story. If you haven't read, uh, read it, it's found in Daniel chapter 13. And it's a fairly long first reading. So I'll, I'll start by just giving a brief synopsis. Susanna is described as a very beautiful and God-fearing woman. She is the wife of a wealthy and devout Jewish man named Joachim. And Joachim had an enclosed garden where Susan liked to walk. Others could use this garden as well. Two old men who served as judges for Israel frequented it, and they began to lust after Susanna. And rather than fight this temptation, they gave into it. One day, Susanna was in the garden, and she thought she was alone. She was there with her two maids. Unbeknownst to her, these two old men were hiding. She decided to bathe, so she sent her maids to bring some oil and soap and to shut the garden doors. When the maids depart, the two old men who had been hiding got up and hurried to Susanna and said, Give in to our desires and lie with us. If you refuse, we will testify against you that you dismissed your maids because a young man was here with you. In other words, they would falsely accuse her of, it, of adultery, a crime punishable by death in those days if she didn't give in to their wicked demands. Susanna, though, responds to this terrible situation with remarkable trust in God. She refuses to give in to their demands and says, It is better for me to fall into your power without guilt than to sin before the Lord. Susanna cannot prove her innocence in human courts, but God knows all, and she trusts in him. Well, these two old men, they do bear false witness against Susanna, making their false accusations in front of all the people. And Susanna, for her part, we read that through tears she looked up to heaven, for she trusted in the Lord wholeheartedly. Nonetheless, the assembly believed them, since they were elders and judges of the people, and they condemned her to death. At that moment, Susanna cried out, O eternal God, you know what is hidden and are aware of all things before they come to be. You know that they have testified falsely against me. Here I am about to die, though I have done none of the things with which these wicked men have charged me. And God heard her prayer. He sent Daniel, who convinces the people to reopen the case. And he cross-examines these two old men uh, separately, and they're condemned by their own words because their stories don't match. Two old men are revealed for the scoundrels they are, and Susanna is revealed as the virtuous woman she truly is. Susanna trusted in God because she knew nothing is hidden from him, and she knew it was better to be wrongfully convicted and unjustly punished than to sin before the Lord. Nothing is hidden from God. On Judgment Day, there will be many Susannas who will, find, who will be finally vindicated, and their false accusers, manipulators like these two old men, they will be revealed as the wicked characters, the bad actors they truly are. Now, Susanna was innocent of the crime she had committed, but the woman in our gospel, a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, uh, 
she seems to be fairly guilty of, of her sin. The Pharisees and scribes bring her to Jesus and say, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him, we're told in our gospel, because if Jesus says, yes, stone the woman, he will be arrested by the Romans. For under Roman law, only Roman authorities could execute someone, not a religious group like the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin. But if he says, don't stone her, the Pharisees can discredit Jesus as being against the law of Moses. It's a cunning trap, but a trap <clears throat> a trap Jesus turns on its head with one phrase. He says to them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. By saying this, Jesus puts the responsibility for the, wom the woman's execution squarely on the scribes and Pharisees. Perhaps the Pharisees did think they were without sin, but they did not attempt to stone the woman because the Romans would arrest them. Alternatively, if they didn't throw stones, they would appear to be admitting that they have sin. In the end, the Pharisees chose the shame of being outwitted in public rather than arrest, torture, and incarceration by Roman authorities. You know, on, on another level, the Pharisees in this gospel, they stand in the role as the accuser of this woman. They accuse her of having sinned grievously. And, and unlike the false accusers of Susanna, it, it seems like they were right that she had sinned grievously. You know, Satan plays a similar role in our life. First, he is a tempter. He will try to get us to reach for that forbidden fruit, for that thing we know is wrong, but part of us wants it anyways. He tries to get us to rationalize, to doubt the church's teaching. It's not that big of a deal. Anyway, he has, um, in any single way he has, he will try and put to use. His hope is to enslave us to sin. And once we have sinned, once we have reached out for that forbidden fruit, immediately Satan turns from tempter to accuser. Look at what you've done, he whispers to us. No one will ever forgive you. God will never forgive you. Satan heaps the guilt on us and he will try to drive us to despair. He will try and drive us to a point where we believe his lies that God won't or can't forgive our sins. Nevertheless, if we only turn to our Lord in the sacrament of reconciliation, if we go before a priest of Jesus Christ and confess our sins, then we are inviting Jesus to say to us, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. With one simple phrase, our Lord broke the mob of people ready to stone a woman for her sin. So too, he will scatter the accuser, the ancient serpent, the devil, with the words of absolution. When the priest speaks those words of absolution, it is Jesus himself who is forgiving us our sins. When the priest speaks those words of absolution, it is Jesus himself who is saying to us, I do not condemn you, go and sin no more. You know, this gospel beautifully illustrates the mercy of God. But there's a, there's a major point that is often missed, especially by us modern reason, readers. At the end, Jesus says, go and do not sin anymore. He doesn't say adultery is okay. 
Don't worry about it. He doesn't say that it isn't a sin, that it isn't wrong to do. Our Lord holds up a very high moral bar for his followers because the moral teachings of Christ and his church are, in a sense, the roadmap for us to become the saints he created us to be. Christ, in every sense of the word, loves the sinner but hates the sin. He hates the sin because it enslaves us. And in the case of mortal sin, it severs our relationship with God. But he gives us this beautiful, merciful sacrament of reconciliation, of confession. In this sacrament, we are like, where like Susanna, we know and trust that nothing is hidden before God. So we go and admit our faults to Christ through his instrument, the priest. The priest who is himself a sinner and who must confess his own sins. In this sacrament, we receive the mercy of God and are told to go and sin no more, for our sins are no more, like the woman caught in adultery. You know, normally this would be the part of the homily where I talk about the importance of going to confession before Easter. I know in some places around the country, confession currently isn't available. If that is the case, know that God doesn't command the impossible. We can and should make a daily examination of conscience. And we can and should, every day, make a heartfelt and sincere act of contrition. And then, when we are able to again, we can go and make a good confession. But for those of us who do have this sacrament available, let us take advantage of it. For we are all sinners in need of God's mercy.